are listening to Up To Me Radio, the best in inspirational talk radio. It's up to me. Welcome back to another season of A Healthier View with your hosts, Beth Sims, and yours truly, Scott Clitheroe. I hope you guys have had a good summer, and uh, we are so glad to be back with y'all. I just am really jazzed about a great season coming up, Beth. How are you? I'm doing great, and I am super duper excited about season seven, too. You know what I'm also jazzed about is Up To Me Radio. I was just looking the other day at the just the amazing choices of shows and topics that our listeners can check out. So I strongly recommend that uh, our listeners check out all of the amazing shows Up To Me Radio has. They really are uh, quite phenomenal and you can learn a lot and get motivated too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. One is, what have you been up to this past month since we took a little vacay and some time off from our podcast? What have you been up to? Well, um, professionally, I've been working. Um, That never stops and Mm -hmm. uh, meeting wonderful, amazing patients and taking care of them as best I can with the help of other great healthcare professionals and that uh, never seems to stop, but I have uh, taken some time off and uh, went up to the mountains and enjoyed some cool mountain air. I went down to the ocean and did some um, relaxation down there. So I did take a little bit of time off and um, also um, have enjoyed, at least here recently in Texas, a little bit of a break in the heat wave. So it's not been so hot the past couple of weeks, which has been quite nice. You know, it's so funny. I was talking to somebody, um, about the weather in Texas I'm like yeah it's actually pretty cool it's only 87 <laughs> they're like what <laughs> and I was just like trust me that has been such a nice little reprieve from the heat like a lot of things in life it's about relative re- relative changes you know in other words you know who would think that 90 would feel cool but when you're used to 102 105 it is you know same thing with you know, weight loss and exercise, you know, incremental gains are pretty good. If you can just be mindful of the Delta, be mindful of the changes that you're, you're seeing. You know, absolutely. And, you know, I know one of the, what topics that I know we'll talk about this season is weight loss. I know we will. And we'll talk about food and we'll talk about, um, you know, the four pillars of health that I always talk about, but, Mm -hmm. um, but you know, it's so funny when, people think about weight loss. They only think about exercise and nutrition. They don't think about the importance of sleep and the importance of managing stress, you know, stress. And, um, and it's so funny. I actually did a program at my previous job and the program was kind of a, a weight loss challenge, kind of like the biggest loser, which I'm not a huge fan of, but that was years ago. Um, it was about the exercise, nutrition and sleep and managing stress. But the results at the end of the program survey, you know, really caught me by surprise. And, you know, the number one transformation people reported, as you would expect, was weight loss. Um, And that's the most obvious visual change that people notice first. But what came in number two, or maybe it was number three, it's been a while ago, but it was something I didn't see coming. 
And that was this, you know, losing weight and eating healthy and exercising. It really increased the sense of mental well-being. Hmm. Wow. In what way? What do you, how do you think, why do you think that is? You know, honestly, and I was going to ask you, um, I guess I was kind of shocked when I saw these and it got me thinking like really what's going on here. But, you know, firstly, our Western diet often leaves people malnourished. I mean, meaning you could be missing key nutrients, healthy fats, vitamins, minerals, and that could negatively be impacting your brain health and not just cognitive and memory, but how you feel emotionally. And I honestly think the second reason is, um, you know, could be the, you know, preservatives, the stimulants, you're not maybe knowing that you're consuming through your food that could be triggering anxiety and depressed moods. So, you know, you know, let food be your medicine. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That, that mindfulness, you know, term is always coming up, but I feel like if you, if we just were more mindful of the food we ate, where it came from, you've said this before, but I feel like, um, slow down, enjoy your food, think about where it came from. Um, what all it took to get there. You know, I think that's why I think, you know, it'd be a little gardening in the backyard or a little herb garden on the back oh, window right. still is good because anything you can grow yourself, you, you have a, an idea of the miracle, frankly, of, of, of produce and, and how we consume and, and how food comes to our table. It's pretty amazing actually. You know, and it takes about three weeks to change a habit. I used to be a huge, I mean, I love sugar. I had a big sweet tooth and I mean, German chocolate cake and da, da, da. And I honestly, I just don't eat sugar anymore. It's in, I mean, hmm. it's hidden in a lot of foods. It really is. But I think this is why learning how to fix your relationship with food. So you naturally gravitate towards the right foods that your body actually needs is so crucial. I mean, both for your physical well-being and your mental well-being. So I know we're going to have lots of topics about food this season. Well, speaking of that, that reminds me, I didn't, I didn't ask you, and I think I know the answer you're going to give, but tell me about some of the things you've done this summer. You've, you've, you've accomplished quite a bit. Um, well, um, I actually just took an exam. Um, every three years, I have to go through a certification to be recertified in nutrition. So I just took, as you know, um, I passed this past weekend. It was a year long of, you know, studying and case studies and reading and homework. And um, so I just finished that exam this past weekend and I passed. So that was time consuming this past year, a little bit here, a little bit there and having a full-time job that was a little hard to juggle, but I did it. So that was kind of the past month, what I've been focusing on. That's fantastic. That's kudos to you. You, You're being very, um, humble, but you aced the test. I think you pretty I much did. I got all, 99%. All right. Okay. I'm just going to say yeah. it. Okay. Audience. I get 99%. <laughs> I missed one question. <laughs> I'll brag on you. And then probably they wrote the question wrong. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's so funny. You know, Scott, I've always known that I wanted to be involved in wellness in some capacity. I mean, in high school and college, I didn't know what that would look like, but in college, I kind of rotated through hospitals, rehab centers, <clears throat> fitness centers, and, but what I remember kind of going back to nutrition a little bit, but in some of my classes, I was the quiet student sitting in the back, believe it or not, you know, just observing. And I really came to the realization that some, you know, professors and physicians weren't doing the mythology um, or methodology from 
the homework or the book that I was told I had to read. And one specific memory I have, um, and as a physician, I want to ask you a question, but I was told I had to read this book. It was over autoimmune health and nutrition. And it basically said that food, nutritional deficiencies, chemicals, and the microbial imbalances are the primarily, I mean, medically verifiably major reasons for autoimmune disease, but the doctors weren't testing for these things. They were just putting all of their patients on the same meds. And I remember that kind of took me aback because I was told to read this book. I was told, this is what we need to do. It's the food, it's the environment, it's the chemicals. Um, and I remember asking, why aren't we testing these patients? And I told it wasn't necessary. They would just be put on meds. As a physician, why do you think that is? Well, I think you, you, you test what you think about. You test, you, you look for what you're, you're familiar with. And so I think that there's, you know, a lot of gaps in the knowledge in Western medicine between, uh, you know, nutritional status, nutritional lifestyle and disease processes. And, and it, as we talked about before in this podcast, it's very difficult to do scientific studies that are, you know, based in designs that will give meaningful uh, results on, on nutrition, because a lot of them have to be done with self-reporting by patients and, and or memory, which is not reliable, to be able to do a, a randomized controlled double-blind study in nutrition like we do in you know, the pharmaceutical drug world and you know, vaccine world is very difficult, right? You can't lock people away and say, here's what you can eat you know, and things like that because it's not normal. So I think part of it is just that there's still just a, a disconnect between what's known uh, for a scientific fact and what's suspected, you know, I mean, the genetics is such an important part of that as far as autoimmunity, um, <clears throat> autoimmune processes and diseases, there's a big genetic component. Of course, some of that is inherited, some of that's acquired, you know, the way genes mutate or are processed or, you know, um, uh, transcribed, whatever, um, based on the environment. So I, I think that, you know, I think that more doctors are becoming aware of this and, and that was my next that that's question. a big component of it. Yeah, that was my yeah. next question. Do you kind of see a trend on that? I mean, because my whole philosophy is test, don't guess. And I know, I mean, that was, I'm not going to age myself, but that was, you know, a few years ago, a, few, a couple decades ago. So mm -hmm. I do think that um, doctors are kind of seeing the whole, you know, puzzle, the piece of the puzzle coming together and how, you know, let food be your medicine. There's that old mm -hmm. adage and that was out there for a reason. Like what exactly, like give an example of, of a, a certain type of uh, nutritional um, uh, diet a diet or nutritional um, activity that may affect auto, autoimmunity or immunity in general. Like, what are you thinking exactly? Well, I, mean, I mean, obviously everybody's different. I think that that's why blood work is so important. I think that's why looking at minerals, I mean, minerals, when you think about our food that like our grandparents ate they were just so rich in minerals because the soil was so healthy. I mean, it's so been depleted um, by, you know, cause we grow food. So it's been depleted over minerals. And I really kind of think that, you know, we need to know those potassium, we need the phosphorus, we need the magnesium levels because one, you don't want to supplement if you don't need them because that can be dangerous. So I really think that's, you know, and everybody's different. Every, you know, buddy's makeup is different, but I was just talking to a patient last week, actually, and we were going, I was going through his um, biometrics and mm -hmm. 
vitamin D and vitamin B levels were not on there. And that kind of shocked me a little bit. It was just the real basic and whatnot. So he actually is going to go back and have his doctor test for those. So, yeah, I mean, I test, don't guess that's, I'm going to get t-shirts made up for everybody test. Don't guess. (laughs) So I think that's the most important thing you can do. And then you can meet with a physician or nutritionist to see where, you know, and you can, there's a test out there called Alicia test where it really drills down and tells you what foods that you may have a sensitivity to. You might not be allergic to, but you have a sensitivity to, and if you're constantly eating, okay, we had a physician on, um, what, two years ago, Dr. Osborne, and he mm-hmm. is big on food sensitivities. He's like, if you're eating mm-hmm. blueberries, you're not allergic to them. And they're supposed to be super, super, super healthy. They're antioxidants and vitamin C top 10 superfood. But if you have some sort of sensitivity to it, you're actually damaging your body cells. So again, test, don't guess. And those aren't, you know, super cheap test, but I do see some through life extensions and wild earth, not wild earth, wild health that are getting a little bit more economically sound for the average person. Cause they can be kind of pricey. You know, one of the things I come back to you at, at a lot is, you know, where's the science behind it? I mean, there, I don't know. I mean, you know, the, the, the scientific basis for some of these tests, I, I don't, I'm not an expert in, but it would be interesting to know the the validity of them and then each lab how accurate are they who are they who is the oversight from because i feel like it's again it's tough to be a consumer of healthcare, and i'm a, one of the producers of healthcare, i guess is but it's you know how do you know you're getting value for your money how do you know you're getting what you ask for we talk about you know supplements so i would say if you want to get tested for different things that may be out of the realm of traditional medicine, just, you know, beware and ask questions and make sure that you're getting something that's valuable to you for your hard-earned money. That's always, Mm -hmm. you know, a good, Mm -hmm. that's a good advice. Even if you're, if you're involved in traditional medical um, techniques, you know, get second opinions, ask around, ask the hard questions, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. risk benefits and alternatives, you know, RBA, we call it risk benefits and alternatives to any, decision in medicine should be talked about if possible with the clinician, you know? So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, obviously, obviously. And if someone really just kind of wants to start and put their toe in the water, so to say, they can do a rotation diet. And basically what you do is you take a food um, and let's get rid of the obvious, the, the sugars, the refined sugars, mm-hmm. the glutens, the really processed foods and focus on, you know, lean meats, whey protein, um, fruits and veggies, stay away from the processed stuff for three weeks, give yourself three to four weeks and do a rotation diet and see if your body changes. I mean, does your skin get a little itchy or a little bit more irritable? Do you not sleep as well? And really you have to be so in tune. And that's the problem with a rotation diet, because if you're not really in tune to your body, you may not notice those subtle differences, but that is a very inexpensive way to think about food and maybe how your body reacts to it. Are you a little, you know, constipated indigestion? Do you just not kind of, do you feel a little off after you eat this food, take it out of your diet, mm-hmm. add something else and see how you feel. So that's called the rotation diet. And that that's pretty popular. And it's, again, it's a good way to start. Yeah. Also, I feel like if you're eating a lot of the same thing, you're you know, not only missing out on certain nutrients, but you may be exposing yourself to certain toxins that may be present in that especially produce, I think about produce, you know, so mm-hmm. the idea of maybe rotating your diet and certainly there's a big trend now where you try to eat 
only what's around you in season, you know, as mm-hmm. opposed to, you know, mm-hmm. eating the New Zealand apples in the summer, so to speak, here in North America, uh, you know, going to the farmer's market or trying to eat locally produced food so that, you know, you're only eating what's available during that time of year, which may be healthier for the soil and for the environment and, and for your body too. That's something to think about too. Oh, absolutely. And I love that you said that. I mean, really getting lots of different types of fruits and veggies, you're going to get the nutrients, um, you know, like choline, choline is such an important nutrient to have in your body. And that's really hard to get a sunflower seeds and eggs are like the only two foods that you can get choline from unless you supplement. So mm-hmm. yeah, just, you know, studying or again, talking to a healthcare professional, a nutritionist, or of things that you actually can put in your body. I mean, instead yeah. of supplementing with, you know, selenium, Brazil nuts are wonderful in selenium and you need selenium for immune health. So, yeah. you know, uh, thinking about health and wellness and the, you said the four pillars earlier, I really, I feel like, you know, the four pillars is such a brilliant concept because really I think they all are important as we've talked about, and then we're going to talk about more this season, but um, I really feel like, uh, you know, movement, strengthening is so important as we, especially as we get older, you know, I think that there's studies that show that, you know, recently there was a study in the New York times that was talked about, at least in the New York times that, you know, a person who can balance on one leg, I believe it was for a certain amount of time, Mm -hmm. if they can't do it, their life expectancy is shorter, you know, on average. And, you know, that's obviously a very complex thing, but just in general, I think balance and strengthening as we go over it is so important. It reduces falls. It, Mm-hmm. helps, you know, with back, uh, with, uh, you know, back, um, pain and things like that. And all those, anything you can do to keep yourself away from surgeons and hospitals is a good thing. So I think that, um, while the, every pillar of the four pillars is important, I feel like, you know, while we stress nutrition a lot on this, um, podcast, I believe that exercise movement is so important because oh, yes. I think everything I, cause for me personally, when I'm exercising regularly, and again, I'll come back to that in a second about what I've been doing lately, I sleep better, I seem to feel better mentally and stress-wise, and I, I'm not sure if I eat better, but I certainly, uh, you know, watch my, you know, I'm, my weight is managed better, but personally, this summer, well, in the spring, I injured my left knee a little bit running one day, and I never had knee problems, and and um, it's much better, but I just, I've been walking a lot more and, you know, I've always, I've not really been much of a walker. I like to swim and run and <clears throat> I used to bike, but I found, you know, walking a couple of miles a day and trying to just keep it under, you know, 19 or 18 minutes a mile if possible when I'm not walking the dog. It's, it's pretty good exercise. You get your heart rate up into that zone. And, and I found it's been pretty um, good for my mental health. I've been able to listen to podcasts or books on tape and things mm-hmm. like that. And, um, I don't know. I know we've talked about that before, but I think I personally found that, you know, you don't, you don't have to go to the gym. You don't have to buy expensive equipment. I mean, certainly I've also been doing some strengthening core work, HIIT work, like you talked about, but I feel like uh, um, just walking is really good for you. So, you know, there's really no excuse for people not to exercise when you can, we can all just get out there and walk, you know, most of us can, you know, get out there and just walk around the block, you know? Well, this is funny. I used to be a cardio queen. I ran marathons. I run half marathons. I used to teach three spin classes a week. And I saw that a few years ago, but I always gravitate toward cardio. I like the music. I like the high energy of it. Um, And this is something I actually haven't shared with you, but um, 
I'm really focused on strength training. I mean, I, and trust mm. me, I get my heart rate up. Trust me. So I have an app on my phone and um, it's just a fitness app. And basically it's hit training every single day. So I've been doing that and I've been doing yoga in the evenings and meditating, which you know. And in the past three weeks, I've lost 10 pounds in three weeks. Fantastic. Wow, that's yeah. great. And you know, everybody always wants to lose that 10 pounds. And I actually didn't even really notice it, but, and I'm not one to weigh myself a lot. Like once mm. a month, twice a month, I weigh myself. So I weighed myself this morning and yeah, I was like, and that's the only thing that's changed is my little 15, 20 minute hit workout instead of just focusing on the cardio and then the weights and things like that. So I'm doing the hit training. I'm doing yoga and meditation at night. That's it. I haven't changed my diet at all. That's great. That is great news. Um, why, why don't, why don't you weigh yourself more often? I mean, I mean, I guess maybe, I mean, cause I feel, I feel like, um, it's like checking your blood pressure, you know, data is important. Shouldn't we be checking our weights more often if we're, if we're supposed to, if we're concerned with our weight, what do you think? I mean, what do you, what is your recommendation for weight check, weight checks, like getting a scale and whatnot? And really, that depends on the individual and me, if I weighed myself, I mean, I have personal friends that weigh themselves every day and that would be maddening because trust me, your weight can fluctuate five to seven to nine pounds a day. And if you are in that mindset of like, it's not even working, I've gained weight that can really be kind of, um, you know, disheartening for a lot of people. So I think weighing yourself often can really become like, it can stress you out. Now, if someone is obese, if someone, you know, and you have that clarity and you know that, then I, I think you can weigh yourself once a week. And, you know, and that's kind mm. of the rule of thumb, weigh yourself once a week. Um, to me, I, for me, it's not about the weight. I mean, I, you know, everybody always wants to lose that five, 10 pounds, but to me, it's never been like, I wanted to lose weight. It was more like, I just want to be healthy. And that is just an added benefit of it. So to me, getting on the scale often isn't that big of a deal. Yeah. I, um, you know, I know that some of our listeners may have heart conditions, you know, and tend to retain fluid. It's actually yes. important to check your weight more frequently. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I would say though, that I know personally, if I weigh myself more often, I'll be more sensitive to food choices that make me retain fluid. And it gives me some good feedback on what to avoid. You know, if I was to have a pizza slice or two, um, boy, I'm guarantee I'm going to have a few extra pounds of water weight the next day, you know, or salty chips or just mm -hmm. more for me, it's anything salty or frankly, a lot of sugar, you know, my insulin levels go up and I retain fluid. So, or, you know, and then if I go a little keto, if I do the opposite, then I'll get some diuresis from yeah. you know, ketourea. So I feel like, um, I feel, I feel like weighing is a good idea. I mean, certainly you don't want to be a slave to it. And, you know, we certainly know that body mass index is a, it's a little bit of a confusing subject because if you have a lot of muscle mass, you may be in that range mm -hmm. that's considered obese, but you're not really obese. So waste management, we've talked about, um, you know, body fat percentage, which I know the scales you've recommended to me can do now, and they seem to be pretty accurate. So, yeah, um, I, I don't know. I feel like, um, you know, weighing yourself maybe once a week is a good idea just to kind of get that feedback and make sure you're on track. And again, you're absolutely right. If you have a heart condition or, you know, you're really, you know, obese and you want to lose weight or you need to lose weight quickly, um, which you can, mm -hmm. if you're, you know, severely overweight, you can lose more weight quickly. 
there's, but everybody's different. Everybody's different. So you have to find what works for you and your mindset. I actually had a professor in college that kind of said the same thing. And maybe this triggers me. She's like, yeah, I weigh myself once a month. It's like the same first Monday of every single month. And as a female, you know, our weight fluctuates a little bit more than men, you know, because Mm -hmm. of hormones and um, our monthly cycle and things like that. But, but, you know, and you actually brought a good point that triggered something is, I guess a life lesson that I learned is everybody's different. Everyone has their unique, beautiful experiences. Not everyone is open to change or wants to hear about it. So if we have a yeah. listener being like, I weigh myself every single morning and that works for me. Great. If you're more in the mindset of like, yeah, I weigh myself once a month. I kind of feel if I'm getting chunky, I might, but you know, once a month is good for me. So yeah, but not everybody. It's going to motivate you for some, if it, yeah, I agree. If it's going to motivate you, for behavior changes in a positive way, that's good. Like I was talking about maybe some feedback, but if it's just going to stress you out when, like you said, there's so much more than just your weight to your overall health based on things we talked about, then yeah, I think it's good to probably maybe not do it as frequently, but I think it's, you know, I I guess I come from a world where information knowledge is, is fuel for change and power for, you know, uh, being mindful of your health. So you know, never checking your blood sugar is not a good idea. Exactly. Never checking your exactly. lipids, you know, things like that. Um, certainly, again, you can go overboard the other way and just get stressed out. And it's not really helpful because, again, one of the four pillars is stress. And if you're just stressed out all the time about your weight and, and you know, all that, that, that's not good for either. So now I have a question for you. And in the years, the years that I've been a coach and I've been a wellness professional, um, I have spent crazy amounts of time trying to help someone that isn't open to it. I'm sure as a physician, when you have a patient and you're talking about, let's reduce the sugar, the sodium or whatever, or let's like talk about weight. Have you, I mean, tried to help people and they're just not open to it. I'm sure that happens all the time. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, as a hospital physician, uh, I have been you know amazed for my whole career about how um, people are faced with terrible repercussions for their behavior choices. And yet, because of the underlying conditions that lead them to abuse that substance or to have those behaviors, they continue, you know? So Mm -hmm. the example that a lot of physicians are familiar with is the patient who has had throat cancer and had it so bad, they had to have a tracheostomy put in uh, because they had to have surgery on their, you know, larynx, their voice box. And they're smoking through their trachea. So they have literally, the hole in their neck, they're smoking. I mean, that's a grotesque image, but I've seen it more than once. And the patient who, uh, you know, with alcoholism, which of course is a disease and it's really not a choice, so to speak. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's terrible, but yeah, I mean, we've, I've had, this is early in my career. I had a patient very uh, upset with me for uh, not being discharged before 10 a.m. because he wanted to get in line at the local barbecue place before they got the line got too long. He literally had been admitted with heart problems and had had the counseling by the physicians and the nurses and the dietitians and, and what have you. And he still was like, yeah, but I need to get to get my barbecue, you know, before they yeah. close or before the line gets too long. So I think um, everybody. Well, Texas barbecue is good. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Again, yeah. everything that was a little in, in moderation, but yeah. yeah, everything in moderation. But I feel like um, I, I often tell my patients, "Look, I'm a doctor, not a preacher. I'm not going to sit here 
and preach to you. I'm going to just give you the facts and then, you know, trust that you'll make the decision that's best for you. And I've had patients go, look, doc, I don't, I want to enjoy myself and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you and I have talked about this before that if you could just get patients to understand that, that the, the pain of stopping cigarette smoking is worth the way you're going to feel in six months to a year, the pain of cutting Mm -hmm. out sugar, the pain of cutting out fried foods, all those things that give you that momentary dopamine rush, that pleasure. If you can get, can, if you can overcome that, the, the, the benefits are huge down the road, but a lot of people can't conceptualize that. They're, so they're, they say, well, I just want to have a good day. And a good day involves fried chicken, French fries, and a cigarette. You know, and, and mm-hmm. you know, what can you do except listen to them, love <clears throat> yeah. on them, and, and keep just trying to support them. But yeah, it's tough. I mean, behavior change is extremely behavior difficult. Change. And, yeah. and, and the I problem is say- that's why I love podcasts like this, because we don't have time. I mean, I have more time in the hospital just because I go slow and I kind of run behind. But, you know, God bless the primary care physicians out there who are on this treadmill 10, five, 10 minutes having to see patients. They don't have time to sit down and have these conversations. You know, it's really, I know. know. One thing kind of wrapping up that part, I always say, um, nothing tastes as good as being healthy feels. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's that's my little adage, but you know, one thing I learned, yeah, just one thing, um, was that (laughs) when I coach friends and family members, and they weren't ready for that change. But ultimately I was kind of hurting that relationship because even if they were kind enough not to say anything to me, um, you know, like shut up Beth, or it, deep down, there was always a little resentment of what I was saying um, because maybe they're like, I can't do this or this is too. Um, and to share with the audience, I lost my brother this past um, summer. He had a stroke and I have tried over years putting him on a diet. And I remember I put on a very strict diet and he was like, well, can I have a banana? And I said, nope, you can't have any high GA fruits right now. He actually got mad at me. He's like, I can't even, I'm, and he's not, it's all or nothing for him. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of an extreme case, but, um, but another two, you know, when I'm helping someone that's not open or ready, I'm kind of wasting my time. And I, I, it's a little different. I mean, I'm just not going to unsol- give people unsolicited advice. I mean, like, put that down. Um, but Scott, think about this. I mean, time is such a valuable resource. And when you spend your time pouring love and research into something that isn't received, whether they're not willing or ready to make those changes or accept the lesson at that time in their life, I just feel like it's a disservice to everyone involved. So you have sure. to really want to make changes, whether it's quitting smoking or learning how to sleep more than five hours a night or whatever your addiction or habit or lifestyle that you want to change, but you have to be open. And then there's that readiness to change chart that people on the wellness and the medical field, we talk about, are you ready to make these changes? And if they're not, then it's, it's kind of a moot point. Totally agree. And, you know, I mean, you know, death and dying, I'm sorry about the loss of your brother, but you know, what's important in life, longevity is important. We want to be around to see things, but also enjoy it every day is important too, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in my perfect world, I would have like hills or mountains that I could hike at pretty easily. And, you know, I live in a city where there's not a lot of that. So that would be my happy place, walking barefoot on the grass and, you know, just having, you know, friends like you that I can, you know, call up and talk to and see or, or whatever. That would be my perfect world. I mean, I have the exercise thing down. I have the eating thing down. Um, I'm a pretty good sleeper. 
stress probably need to work on a little bit, but um, I think you have a pretty good balance and I'd love to yeah, share all of everything. I'm not perfect. Trust me. <laughs> Scott's seen me at my <laughs> well, worst. He's is. heard me get really, nobody really is. angry, yeah. but, but anyway, I think so, that we, I, I hope that we do a good job sharing our, you know, um, our passion troubles and our, well, our passions, but also, you know, we're not perfect. I mean, I tell people all the time, look, I'm preaching to myself as much as you are when I'm talking about behavior changes, like exercise and sleep and caffeine reduction and, watching the sweets and all that, I, I make a point of saying, look, I'm, I'm there with you, man, you know, move over. Let me lay down with you and cry because I, I love having that extra cup of coffee or the sugar in my coffee or what have you. So, yeah, I think that, and I hope that's what we convey on this podcast is that we're all in this together. And we, that's, you know, I think group think is good in the way that we all, you know, know we got each other's backs and there's always somebody to call if you're having a bad day when it comes to mm-hmm. health choices, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And okay. So before we wrap up, why don't you tell me one or two shows that you want to bring to the season? Well, I mean, I'm already working on it as we've talked about before off there, but um, I, 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 I want to continue to talk about disease prevention, but I think it's important also from where I live about disease management. So um, I'm working on getting a, uh, an expert in hypertension to come talk to us about oh my gosh, the, yeah. the latest, you know, recommendations for ideal nutritional lifestyle and medical treatment of hypertension. And also just kind of review the importance of hypertension diagnosis and treatment control, and then how things change as we get older and how maybe there are times when we should back off a little bit on the aggressiveness of hypertension control. So Hypertension is still a mystery to a lot of clinicians and, of course, a lot of patients because the recommendations change and there's a lot of medications out there. So I'd like to have that. And then also sleep. I'm I'm working on getting a sleep expert um, because, again, it's one of the four pillars and it's so important. And then so one more thing I'll say is that I'm just I really would like to supplement all the awesome guests that you bring on with um, some medical experts in certain areas of uh, healthcare that I think can bring a lot of value to our listeners. Well, one guest that we're really trying um, right now, I've been emailing her back and forth is Jennifer Aries Moore. She is the sister. Um, have you seen the movie, the soloist with um, Jenny Fox and I can't think of his name. Oh my gosh. Um, I have not, but you've told me about it and it's on my, definitely on my list for sure. But I would yes. love to see it. Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. and um, Jamie Foxx played in this movie called The Solos, an older Mm -hmm. movie. And the sister of Jamie Foxx's character, she wrote this book called Hear the Music. And I just got it in the mail. And I've only read the base. She actually put a little inscription in it. Thank you for your support please visit our website. Cannot wait to talk with you, Jennifer. So I cannot literally, I, this weekend, I'm going to dive through this book. I can't wait to read it, but she's going to be a guest probably in October. So I'm super excited about that. Um, and then, you know, again, nutrition and exercise and getting guests on. And I'd love to get someone on this season that has made a change and actually maybe, it took them three or five years, but they went from 
point A and now they're here at point B and it's all because, so I'd love to get some testimonials as well. You know, not just having the experts on, but have somebody on that walk the walk, talk the talk kind of thing. Absolutely. That'd be great. Yes. Well, I can't wait for the season uh, to continue and I'm looking forward to working with you and learning with you and learning from you. Yes, of course. Of course. Oh my gosh. Well, guys, thank you so much, Scott. And I cannot wait for season seven. Again, um, Scott mentioned this at the beginning of the show. Listen to the other amazing shows on Up To Me Radio. They're great. You can hear us. You can hear them on Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and other apps that you listen to your favorite shows and podcasts on. So until next time, have a healthy day. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.